Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast. Two Putt for Par. Iowa's number one golf podcast. Yeah, but three putt is Snakesville. One part golf. Basically, it comes down to the fact that golf is hard. And one part business. But if it makes money, it makes sense. Mixing business with pleasure, these guys know how to have fun. This is the Two Putt Podcast. That's what we do. Welcome back to episode 36 of the Two Putt Podcast. I got an exciting show on tap for tonight, uh, but first had a chance to play golf with Lee here recently, and I know BC's been busy, so uh, welcome back, guys. How are we all doing? Good, man. Yeah, uh, excited to hear about your guys' experience at Vinker. Uh, I know you guys texted me a little bit about it afterwards, um, and actually, I just, as I said, I wrote an article today talking about Vinker as one of... Uh, the metro's area's top public courses, but it sounded like you guys had a little bit different feeling and or experience in your time at Vinker. Yeah, I would say Vinker uh, would make my list of my least favorite courses uh, in the state of Iowa, not the metro. I, and I, I don't know what it was. Jason, maybe you can put it into words better than me, but it felt like a course that you would only ever be very good at if you played it every single day. And, but then at the same time, it never really rewarded you for good shots. So you had to hit great shots. And a lot of that was the greens. Um, you, know, you basically had to roll everything up there. I mean, we were hitting wedges into greens that would land on the green and not have a prayer of, of staying. So it was like, I don't know, I just kind of was over it by the time. Well, we were both over it by the time it was over. Hell, I played the last four holes of my five iron. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's definitely a course that you have to see once or twice before you know exactly what you need to do off the tee and what you need to do with the pro shot. It's kind of funny. I think Lee and I were on our 14th hole of the day, and I hit an approach shot, and we, it was, the pin was behind a tree, and I hit to the right center of the green. And Lee said, that's a nice, safe shot. And we go up there, and we couldn't find it anywhere. We thought it was going to be in the middle of the green right side. It was not long. It was not short. It was not on the green. It just disappeared. So uh, what we thought was a good shot obviously turned out to not be. And uh, was as we were kind of going throughout the course of the round, we, uh, we were talking, I didn't even think it would be a fun best shot course uh, to play because I didn't think there was a lot of, like, really risk-reward shots. Uh, you know, some tee shots where you all had to hit to kind of the same area to play around a dog leg or to whatever it was. So I just didn't think it would be a fun best shot course either. And so I wasn't too high on it. I know that was our conversation the entire way. Yeah, it was one of the, like I said too, I played it one time and I was pretty, I mean, I was a teenager. I was probably 14, 15, uh, light rain most of the time. Only thing I remember is some blind shots. Like that's literally the only thing I remember at that time. And so uh, hearing you guys revisit some of it, uh, uh doesn't surprise me i guess uh one thing i will say though and maybe our listeners can help us out but i mean for the longest time that was the university course i mean that's where the iowa state team played um obviously cold water now is out there so i don't do you guys know i mean is the does university still play there and if so based off what you guys said that'd be a tough course to come in you know as oklahoma state and play for the first time or not know really what's going on obviously those guys prepare more than you guys would rolling in hot into Ames to play some golf but um yeah I mean that that would be one thing that I would ask is does the university still play there 
I have no idea. I, I haven't seen Iowa State host an event for a long time. So uh, I wouldn't doubt if when they're actually playing, they bounce around from a few different courses. But I really don't know if they practice there consistently. I know that they have the unbelievable practice facility that they can use. Uh, and so I don't know when they go out and play uh, where it would be at or uh, what course they'd use. Well, I, one question I guess I have that would segue, maybe you guys can help me out. If, um, if Dustin Johnson can shoot 30 under, um, I saw a thing today where it's, uh, he shot 30 under and a lot of golfers have never had 30 birdies in their life, let alone in a weekend. Um, 30 under at TPC Boston, what, uh, what's, what's DJ shooting and how low can you go at Vinker? What? Oof. Oof. I mean, he's obviously still going to go low, uh, <laughs> but a couple of the holes, like he just, he, I don't think he could hit him over the corner or he could, I don't know. I, he's obviously still going really low. I mean, if he, he shredded TPC Boston this last week to the tune of a little 60 and a, uh, what did he close with? A 62? 63. Three. 63. He went, didn't he go like 60, 64, 63 or something like that? I think so. I think you're right, yeah. Well, he played his last three rounds in 2,600, so whatever that accumulates to be. Let, let me ask you this. Um, is Are you disappointed with the 60 when you're 11, 11 under through 11? <laughs> no. I'd never be disappointed with – a 60 ever I don't care if I bogeyed three holes coming in I mean like like he said you don't go out to try to shoot 60 every round if you if you do he's never shot better than that I don't believe on the PGA Tour so I do not think uh, anybody would ever be upset with a 60 yes could he have birdied the last hole as a par five and shoot 59 yeah but at the end of the day they're out there to win golf tournaments so I doubt um he gets done with that tournament and is like, man, it was nice winning, but I wish I would have shot 59. Like I get it. It's a cool number, but I mean, he shot 30 under. Yeah. I bet he wishes he would have shot 59 because there's only how many guys that have done it in PGA tour history shot below 60. I mean, uh, I'm going to go a little on the contrary. I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, 60, you can't be really disappointed with it, but the way the round transpired and for him to have the 18th hole there where, I mean, he's going to be hitting a, you know, a mid iron into that thing. I, uh, I think he might be a little disappointed he didn't birdie the 18th hole uh, to get to that number. I mean, Scheffler did it. Scheffler, uh, 12 birdies, uh, no bogeys that day, and I, I think Scheffler would have been a little disappointed too if he didn't birdie the 18th hole. So I'm going to go a little contrary to what Lee said. Yeah, not overly disappointed, but just slightly that we didn't get that last one in there. How about if you're Scotty Scheffler and you shoot 59, you have to wait around to see, to make sure you are the low number. I mean, how nuts is that? I don't think you're shooting, probably waiting around, but. <laughs> how about shooting a 59 and losing by like 15 shots over the course of a week? Well, that was like at the rain delay, they t talked with uh, Harris English and they're like, Hey, you know, if I told you going into the weekend, you were going to be at 20 under and nine shots off the lead. Like, would you have taken that and he, or believed it or something? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I'm playing really good golf. He goes, but what I'm watching is just unbelievable. I think it was Kiz, too. He had a quote that was like, when Dustin's on, I just get out of the way and try to pad my bank account. Like, that dude – and I know, Lee, I think you texted a group about it. But, I mean, from a talent standpoint, I mean, DJ, when he is on, is as good as we've seen. 
Um, obviously, I think the demeanor and the focus is the big separator between him and Tiger. Um, and then with that comes those obviously majors. But I mean, 22 wins and that guy's ability to strike the golf ball and just separate himself from everybody else is just unreal. Well, my question to you guys was, is if every PGA Tour player is playing their best, can anybody beat DJ? I don't think so. I mean, even if you go and you look at the numbers, I think uh, I, he, he was eight strokes better than – seven or eight strokes better than the next person in uh, strokes gained off the tee. And then he was twice as good um, tee to green strokes gained than the next person. Like, it was – it's stupid. Like, his numbers that he put out, I mean, that guy – and I think you, someone mentioned it in our group too. Perfect guy to take a six-stroke lead into Sunday because it doesn't look like he gives a shit about anything. Well, and he – so he plays golf um, from yardages that, like, people would only dream of, that, that there's few people that, that can do that in the, on the PGA Tour. So there you've already separated. Like, the, the distance part is a separator. But, man, that guy, when he has a wedge in his hand, I mean, it's, it's scary. You know, it doesn't – he doesn't have, like, the smoothest swing. Like, you, you like his swing. Like, the follow-through is kind of unique. But, man, he gets it – you know, he hits it to 10, 15 feet. But then again, when he's rolling the putts like he was this week, I mean, I just don't know that there's anybody on tour that could beat him regardless of, of how good they're playing if he's playing his best. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair argument. I mean, the, the crazy thing would be if we got to see three guys playing at their best at the same time. Uh, but it's not going to happen most likely. You know, the one guy that I think uh, could give him a run for his money is JT. I just think that when JT's playing his best, his short game is elite. His iron play is elite. He's elite off the tee. And when he's rolling it, he's as good as anybody in the world. So I think JT could potentially give him a run run for his money in that, I guess, make-believe scenario there. Uh, but DJ is what he did this last weekend and the way he was dialed in was absolutely filthy. One of the things when you watch DJ play that way, you almost, you almost are like, how does this guy not win every week? Like, that's like the one thing you're like, Oh, you know, and, and how does he only have one major? Um, that's what, that's, what's crazy about it is it's just when he's on, it, it's something, something special. And we had the pleasure of watching it this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Um, so with that, talking about going low, uh, next topic that we have is Phil. Phil decided he needs a few competitive rounds to prepare for the U.S. Open, goes and, and hadn't really said anything about the Champions Tour, and then all of a sudden says, yep, I'm going to go and play. Uh, and then did you guys see he went goes out and fires 61, I think it was, in the lowest first round ever on the Champions Tour or something like that? Just Phil being Phil. Yeah, he went 61, 64, you know? Right. I mean – it's just stupid. Phil, so Phil the thrill. I mean, for him to go play in the Champions Tour and just kind of, like I said, I mean, a little U.S. Open prep. I mean, missing the cut this last weekend. If we go to the line your pocket segment, I'm pretty sure I had him as a top 40 bet. and uh, That didn't turn out so well. So he was on his way to, to go play on the Champions Tour and cashed a little top five there for sure. Well, well has, I- there ever been, has there ever been a more – talented player on the champions tour than phil mickelson at the ripe age of 50 no 
Wow. No. How much pre- when we're comparing him to Jim Ferrett going out and winning his first Champions Tour, does Phil have to go and win to, to be right there with him? Phil can do no. whatever he wants and be, be ahead of him. So. And we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Jim Ferrick when we get in the line in your pockets. At, uh, uh, that's for sure, too. But um, So two other just real quick topics. Uh, Rory, did you guys see his comments as far as basically not being motivated? $15 million isn't cutting it for him. He needs, he needs fans. He needs more motivation. Did you guys see that? Rory's that's just dumb. blowing smoke. He's just blowing smoke. He's just not playing well. He's, I think he's trying to work his number down um, is what he's trying to do, get us, get us all the bite uh, to take him to win. But uh, I, I do think that guys like Rory, guys like Tiger, I mean, there's a certain level of energy that they feed off of Brooks too. I mean, not having those guys, not having the fans in the galleries out there following them, I'm sure that there's um, – those are guys that take advantage of it. So that, there's probably a little bit to do with that. But, uh, yeah, he just needs to figure out – figure out his games, his putting, and get better off the tee. But um, last thing then before uh, we move off it, but Tiger, uh, heck of a Sunday. Is Tiger back? Like, what are we thinking? Is he, is he got that internal clock starting to fill the U.S. Open, or what do you guys think? Tiger's working towards the majors. I mean, yeah, I think he'll play well this week at the BMW. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly where he sits in the FedEx, FedEx Cup standings, but I think he's going to want to position himself to play at East Lake because East Lake's a tough course and it's going to get him ready for, for the U S open as well. So Tiger's trending in the right direction. Yeah. He didn't play four great rounds, but I think trend line is uh, going in the right direction for him. I think he's 56th. At least that's what they were talking about on, on Sunday when he was playing. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, Tiger's ball striking is back. I mean, Tiger's, biggest challenge right now is he has to play himself back into competitive shape. You know, I mean, we've talked about every time he's played, like he's, he shows signs of, of greatness, obviously, because he's great, but he has to be able to, to build that stamina to be able to play for good rounds. He struck the ball. Well, every time I watched him play this week, um, but you know, mistake here, or there, a missed putt, you know, I mean, he putted well a little bit. And then there's other times where, I mean, he looks kind of lost on the greens, which is so weird. I mean, you used to think of that guy making every putt he ever needed to make. But I definitely think he is he is back from a ball striking perspective. Now he just needs to play a little bit more if his health allows. Hopefully. The game, the game still needs a little tiger in it. So hopefully he continues to work forward and continues to play a little bit better. Uh, transitioning then here to local ties, the city championship here in Des Moines uh, was this past weekend. So we've got to give a few shout outs here, obviously local, um, local golf here. Uh, the winner uh, was John Brown. Uh, he shot a 203 at Waveland, or yeah, 203 at Waveland, 13 under. Um, just, he's, he's from Adele. He's a heck of a guy. He actually did a clinic that my daughter was a part of during the uh, principal charity classic. And, just nice guy, obviously a hell of a golfer too. I think he, I, I don't even lost track how many times he's won that. Um, but 13 under went 66, 68, 69, um, had himself a weekend. And then a few other, uh, actually Scott Hart won the, um, the president's cup. And I know Scott, um, worked with his wife quite a bit. She's a, she's an agent with, uh, at Iowa Realty. And, um, uh, he shot 215, one under, 
he must have known something though because he went 75 on the first round uh which was the last number to fall out of the championship flight so got himself in the president's cup and then proceeded to go 70 70 in the next two rounds and win so that's 75 we'll have to probably have to have scott on at some point but i think there's a little sandbag in there to get him in the president's cup and win that um and then uh drew slings uh, another buddy of mine and lee you played with him we played in a tournament i think last year uh, out at waveland at, at waveland yeah yeah um drew got a t17 uh last weekend here when 76 76 79 um shout out drew probably have to have him on the pot at some time too and give him a hard time for shooting 79 on the final round uh, that's good so it's always always fun to see some local names and watch or see some scores from some local golf did jamie fadley get second i i don't have it in front of me i think so he was in second i know going to the last round you just see john brown and and jamie fadley always you know those two guys are probably the the two best players and they're they always seem to be at the top of that leaderboard it's fun to go through i skimmed it real briefly just wanted to kind of see who jumped out at me and it's like some of these names i feel like i probably know and obviously you guys probably knew a few of them too but uh it's always fun to jump on and, and check out those i know they they do a nice job with that tournament it's always a lot of fun and so Shout out to those guys and, and what they're doing in, in the competitive golf and uh, wish them well here moving forward. But uh, with that, let's take a little break and then uh, we'll jump back on with our guests. This two putt podcast is brought to you by WB Realty, Central Iowa's best real estate brokerage. WB Realty for all your real estate needs. We're back into the Two Putt Podcast, Iowa's number one golf podcast. Um, we kind of have our boss on the podcast tonight. The guy who we say his name every single week, uh, the man and uh, whose company sponsors whose career, um, Mason City native now in Ames, uh, Warper grad, Justin Mormon with us tonight. Justin, how you doing? I'm good. Quite the intro. Thanks. Uh, good to be on, boys. Good to see you. Yeah, we're you just, live uh, your, you just live your life as a boss. You get to boss us around, and then you boss your employees around all day. Uh-huh, right. No, man, we're excited to have you. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, I know you're a listener, so you kind of know a little bit about what uh, how this works. we got to set the tone for our listeners with some quick hitters. And so sure. uh, first question, where does the golf glove go when you putt? Uh, back left pocket. Can I interrupt really quick? I got to ask this question because Jason and I talked about it the other day. If you are a back left pocket guy, where do you keep your uh, divot tool, your T, that kind of thing, your, your, your ball mark in your pocket? Which pocket do you keep I, those in? I carry two T's and one ball mark in my front right pocket. Oh, I'd get confused. No, no divot fixer. Same, I'm, I'm the same. So I'm back left with the glove and I'm T and – fixer everything ball mark all right because yeah yep right front so um what about hat justin you wear a hat when you golf yes all the time yep all right yeah, pretty much always the same hat until i have a bad round then i'll switch it up Ooh, i like it i like that um what's your wedge setup currently uh always cleveland's i got uh 51 56 and 60 currently Okay, 51. It might be the first time we've heard 51. Yeah. 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 No, I got that 
in college actually and I had a big gap between my wedge and my 56. I hit my 56 far enough where I don't I just you know went with the 51 and haven't changed it since. Good I like it. Um, favorite nickname in golf? Oh it's got to be fuzzy. Fuzzy. I like just it. Fuzz. Yep. Just classic. I haven't had that one either. So we got a whole bunch of new stuff so far tonight. It's good. It's a good start. Um, what about this one? Favorite uh, golf course in Iowa? Unfortunately, this one is a new. Uh, got to go with the Harvester. Yeah. It's just a great track. Um, I haven't been out to see the new update since they redid everything, but it was just a, a great place to play. And uh, got to mention, you know, Centennial Oaks before Prairie Links was always, well, that'll always have a place in my heart. Special place. We talked a little bit before jumping on about uh, some of the changes and stuff over there. And obviously with Jason, we've uh, we dove into that a little bit on the pod. But uh, one new quick hitter that uh, we're going to add here just to have a little bit of fun. But uh, where's the best best place or best piece of pizza you've ever had? Best piece of pizza. Oh, boy. Um, that's a tough question. Just to go off the top of my head, I'm just going to go with the OP. Ooh, always good. OP taco, or what are we thinking here? Uh, Taco or the meat lovers. You know, they load that with cheese, but tacos, always good. I was expecting maybe, well, maybe a little local mom and pop shop, but I had, have you ever had the Wigan pen? Uh, In Ankeny? Yeah, and there is one in Iowa City. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've been there in Ankeny. They got some. They got some pretty delightful pizza as well. So no, I, I was curious as to where you're going to go, which route you're going to go with that. I didn't know if it'd be chain yeah. or if it'd be local. Put me on the spot. I couldn't think. And, you know, <laughs> OP is good. But going back to the Quad City days, that's, there's like this Quad City style of pizza that you get at like at Harris Pizza. Harris that Pizza. Might, now that, you know, bring it back a little bit, maybe I'd go with Harris. My wife is from the Quad Cities and she's okay. – uh, Every time we go back, she talks about Harris Pizza, I think, and then Whitey's Ice Cream. And yep. uh, I mean, there's a, whole, there's a whole list of things that we have to like hit up when we go back to the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so take us, uh, now take us, jump forward here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about uh, Mormon Clothers. I had the opportunity <laughs> to stop in the store there in Ames and uh, tell us a little bit about how it all got started and what do you love about it, about it most? Yeah, and again, sorry I missed you. Was off uh, chasing kiddos around that day, but uh, started with my dad uh, 27 years ago in Mason City. Uh, so he started at April 1st, be 27 and a half years ago. Came to Ames about 16 years ago, and myself um, kind of got out and did a few things, and then came and bought into Ames uh, six and a half years ago on April 1st as well. So a lot of April Fools going on, unfortunately. <laughs> awesome what i i guess when you when you look at you guys compared to uh you know the bigger stores what do you think makes you guys different what do you guys uh why do you try to specialize in there yeah you know the first thing that makes us different from walking into a big box store is the customer experience you you walk in somewhere big and they may say hi you know the typical greeting but you know you come into our store hi how you doing chances are we know you so we're gonna greet you by name show you the new stuff, show you what you're looking for, pour you a beer, pour you a whiskey, you know, get you, it's a, it's an experience, you know, you come hang out, know most of the people. So it's really the biggest thing is that experience. Um, 
the pers personalized attention. You know, you you come in once, we know your sizes, so can pretty much shop for you pretty easily. Get to know your style. Um, also, products. We try and carry different products, different brands, and you'll see it. Bigger stores, stuff you don't see everywhere. Yeah, I, when I stopped in, uh, obviously I was greeted by your employees and I uh, had a little bit of conversation with, with them right away, which was great. And, Good. Uh, you know, I obviously did a little bit of looking around. I told my wife, I said, there was about, uh, <laughs> I saw a bunch of things that I wanted to come home with, but I didn't think she'd sure. be happy with me at that time <laughs> if I came home with them. But what else do you have going on in the store right now? What cool things, what kind of sales do you have going on? What do you got going on in the store? Yeah, well, you know, right now we're still trying to get rid of all our, uh, spring summer stuff so got a little bit of golf stuff left we're getting rid of um outside of that you know started we actually this kind of goes back to the start of this whole quarantine thing you know we had to close for six weeks so you know being closed with nothing coming in for six weeks was not really an option so i had to think of some ways to get stuff coming in so i started doing style boxes kind of like a trunk club or a stitch fix so you know started doing that um, so still doing that uh, and actually coming up here starting probably next week I'm partnering with Mizzen and Maine which is uh, Phil Mickelson's company and then Trinidad 3 which is a new denim uh, made in America company and doing a style box with them uh, but along with a whiskey tasting so it'll be something kind of cool you know a couple whiskey samples some notes kind of a note from Trinidad 3 on their made in America denim and then some best shirts in the world mizzen and maine so you know that's that'll be a popular thing here coming up the next couple of weeks as well and then new fall stuff starts to come in any day now no that's great man we've uh we've been super excited obviously uh with some of the apparel that we've had and been rocking it and supporting you guys and great stuff and really appreciate it and i know it, this goes back uh obviously we talked about the warburg connection but lee i think uh you had a prom tux from uh, Mormon Clothiers, is that right? I had two prom tuxes from Mormon Clothiers when I was in high school. Yes. So um, big shout out. I love that store in Mason City. Because um, yeah. that, that, that part of town is really cool. And a lot of people don't really get to see it. Because well now, you know, because it, it's pretty close to the mall, right? Yeah, it's right it's, on the plaza. And, and that mall is obviously taking a shot. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. since we were kids... Uh, you know, I mean, I would say the biggest shot is Aladdin's castle, right? I mean, when you lose in Aladdin's castle, uh, I mean, I really have no, uh, really, really, really re good reason to go to the mall. So, I mean, but that place right outside of it now, it is cooler. Now there's a couple bars, I think back in that, that area, a couple uh, bars, um, and actually what used to be our store. So probably when you were in it. Uh, that store has been converted to the only standing operating Franklin to write hotel in the world. So, you know, you got that there too with a cool bar and restaurant and stuff. So they're picking things up a little bit. I think they're doing like a, cause aren't they trying to add a hockey rink or something down there? Like they're trying to make it a little bit more of like a city center thing, right? Yeah, and they did. They added the hockey rink last year. It opened last uh, December, I think. And that's where that hockey team will play, right? Yep. Yeah, the Bulls, they're playing there now. They just opened it back up a month, a month or so ago, I think. That's Yeah, no, that's cool. It's been a while. Obviously, being from Algona, we went over to the Mason City Mall quite a bit as well. And so uh, 
yeah, just remembering, remembering everything over there. Um, and yeah, it fell on hard times. And so it's nice to see it kind of bounce back, but, uh, uh, and so is your dad still running that store over there or what's the status of yep. the Mason city store? Yeah, he's still up there. Still, still going, still having fun. Still, still loving it, taking care of everybody. I'm sure that he's salt of the earth, help everybody, make sure everyone feels comfortable and, uh, get them, get them fit and get them out the door looking good for prom. Like uh, a young Lee Nelson back in the day. Fresh, fresh white tux. Um, yo, yeah. So Justin, let's go back to the, the North Iowa days. Um, and your start of playing golf. Were you a, a member of the North Iowa Junior Golf Association or NIJA, as we used to call it back in the days? Is that something you oh, did? Yeah. Yep, yeah. The tour. Yeah. Great. Uh, what, a lot of fun there. How, how did your uh, love of the game start in Mason City? Um, so, you know, I played a little bit growing up, not a whole lot. And then probably middle school started playing a little more. And then – started getting a little better. And my dad said, you know, when you beat me, I'll buy you a new set of irons. So the summer between eighth grade and freshman year, I beat him. Got a new set of irons, brand new I3s, which I still play today. And uh, kind of took off since then. I, from there, kind of got addicted. Were you a, a country club or a Highland Park guy? I, so I was both. Okay. Um, I was kind of spoiled. You know, we had had brothers and loved the pool. So we were uh, members out at the country club, you know, kind of like that was basically daycare half the time, just get dropped off and picked up and picked up at night. Uh, but I also lived within walking distance to Highland Park. So before being able to drive, I, my birthday present every year was a pass to Highland Park. So I, cause I could just walk through the trees and I'd be right there. So a little, you're, you're a Mason city high school guy, right? Yep. Which one was your guys' home course? Highland. It was. Yep. So when, uh, when you guys were in high school, mm-hmm. you had to have a pretty good golf team, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Um, trying to think. We made – we should have made state three years in a row, but had a couple screw-ups, and we made it sophomore – or, no, junior and senior year. Who were some of the other guys on that golf team? Uh, throw some names know, at me. Carter Angel, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Oh, I uh, forgot about Carter Angel. Didn't he go to, like, Notre Dame or something? Yeah. Yeah, yep. I remember him. Yep, went to Notre Dame. Uh, who else? Brock Watson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you probably remember him. Uh, yeah, he was my age. Yep. Uh, who else? Was, like, Nick Zinnel. Was he Nick on Zinnel? your squad? Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I remember all those guys. Again, that North yeah. Iowa Junior Golf Association, I doubt they do anything like that anymore. I mean, yeah. I don't know. That was so fun, though. But, I mean, you just think of the names that, that played in that tournament. I played at All Vets in Clear Lake a couple weeks ago, and uh, Mike Oyman is actually their director of golf. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he, and he was a really good player. That name for a while. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, when, you were, when you were going through, through high school and, and playing, and obviously you guys had some success, was there a thought of, I want to play golf? more moving forward yeah not going into high school I never thought anything about it but kind of after freshman year I had a good freshman year um I kind of thought I wanted to you know keep playing knowing it that early and then sophomore year kind of sucked and uh but got back into it after that and 
just knew I didn't care where, but, you know, I, I wanted to go play somewhere. And so how did that transition happen? How did you land on Wartburg, or what, what did that look like? Um, it was really between Wartburg and Luther. Ooh, um, ugh. Uh, wow. Exactly. wow. Yep, yep. Well, hey, I chose right, right? Hey, you did. Uh, Correct. And the co- Oliver Drake. Was oh, the co- yeah. Oh, yeah, OD. God, he's the man. Ball he, turf. Ball so turf. Was, yeah, so it was and not, not a knock at all to him, but it was – talking to the golf coaches between him and Scott Felstool at Luther, who's an awesome guy. I, it's a good thing I had a bunch of friends going to Wartburg and stuff, and you and I, so I could be close to him. Otherwise, it would have been uh, Luther, but it, it worked out in the end. Well, let's just say uh, I know Oliver really well, and uh, he was not too keen on the whole golf side of things. And so he's like, yeah. I just go to practice, and I say, ball turf. Hit the ball first, then the turf. Ball turf, that's it. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's about it so So, yeah so then how was was od was oliver there then the whole time that you were playing or what did that look like okay no so i had him kind of had him you know for a little bit uh then he left i can't remember exactly when so so, sometime freshman year he left um and then reuter took over for a couple years had old reuter and um, coach uh, Marvat, who was awesome, legend. Uh, legend. He just a le- yeah, exactly. He's a legend. Um, had and then senior year had uh, Alan Kading. Okay. Coach. So, well, yeah. good. Obviously, uh, obviously, sound like a pretty good experience. And um, like, Kading. like, like all of us. Uh, I mean, the relationships. Uh, yeah. that come from from Warburg and from playing and just all that is 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 an experience that you definitely won't forget anytime soon but uh hey with that you took a trip here recently uh up up north a little bit to Wisconsin and uh went to Sand Valley and played uh, Mammoth Dunes correct how did uh yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about that how was your experience up there uh Mammoth was awesome oh and by the way I said Alan Kading but Alan Johnson I don't know where Kading came from Alan Johnson was coach senior year. Oh, uh, yeah, Alan. But, but back to it, uh, Mammoth Dunes was awesome in um, Sand Valley in general. The whole – it was like a pl- – I've never been to a place like that before. The practice facilities, the clubhouse, everything was top-notch. Uh, and, you know, kind of cool rustic setting out in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. And you're, you're driving through these small towns and back roads and you roll out and there's this awesome golf facility. So it was cool. Uh, course played like unlike anything I've played before. You know, your tee ball hits and a bunch of sand poofs up. So it was it was different. Course was running, the greens were hard, uh, but it was cool. Big fairways, big greens. Fun yeah, I've time. heard I've heard a lot of good things, and actually, um, I've heard some people even when talking obviously Kohler and Whistling Straits and uh that whole area as far as destination golf Wisconsin um I've heard a lot of people who have leaned now towards the Sand Valley as an area of hey if you're gonna go spend a weekend uh just affordability and play and uniqueness of it that uh it would actually rank above Whistling Straits in the Kohler area have you been up to Kohler at all you know anything about that area nope I, you know, I was planning on it. I had 
Ryder Cup tickets and all that stuff. So I was going to get up there this year and so much for that. But no, I have not. I'd, I'd love to get up there, but I would have no problem going back to Sand Valley before making it up there. Now at Sand Valley, Mammoth Dunes, and then there's two other courses, right? There's a par three. The Sandbox. Yep. yep. And then, yeah, Mammoth Dunes and Sand Valley. Okay. And Sand Valley's a 18-hole. That's – Yep. That was the first course they started with. So I think it's a little more target golf. At Sand Valley, Mammoth Dunes is kind of Mammoth Fairways, Mammoth Greens. You know, you, it's kind of hard to miss a fairway there. Um, and then, yeah, Sandbox, the uh, little par three course. Yeah, that's neat. I let it, it, you know, with, we've seen a lot of this, obviously with Pinehurst and um, out Pebble Beach and the peninsula there. And um, obviously up in Wisconsin to, to kind of incorporate all these different courses and get the par threes in there. And like you said, the practice facilities and the practice screens and stuff. But uh, uh, obviously having a chance to travel around, um, you know, playing golf throughout high school and college and now a few trips here as an adult. Uh, how would you how would you rank or where would you rank if you if I told you all the courses you've you've played to power rank either your top three or top five if you can if you could do it? Oh geez. Okay. Well I, Mammoth is gonna be up there pretty far. Uh that's so just going off what I played lately and everything, I'm gonna go Mammoth. We'll put Mammoth first. Um Harvester, no matter where you go, I feel like Harvester always stacks up. Uh, you know, there's some played some great courses out in Arizona. Can't really tell you the names. Uh, same, with, same with Florida. Uh, and played a couple cool courses in Australia as well. Um, but for sure, Mammoth and uh, Harvester are probably a couple of my favorites. So let's revisit this Australia here real quick. What was, what was that trip like? What were you, what were you doing down there? So I went over there oh, gee, between junior and senior year for these like junior down under games. So went went over for 12 days, saw the sights, played a lot of golf, was 18. So had a few beers as well. That's right. I'll say that sounds like a trip that uh, they must have, Lee must have missed the memo on that one. Yeah. <laughs> They don't put beer on those brochures. I just used to get those things and throw them away all the time. Yeah. Had to look into that one a little bit. This is our first talk about golf on another continent. Yeah, it is. I like it. No, you're right. We have a lot of firsts tonight, Justin. We appreciate yeah. it, man. Hey, we try. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, it sounds like, uh, sounds like a lot of fun, and hopefully uh, next time uh, we bring you on, we'll have a few more that you can add to your power list. But uh, yep. with – with that, let's take a break, and then we're going to come back with our favorite segment with our favorite sponsor and our favorite guy. So we'll be right back after this break. Hey, everyone. You've been hearing us talk a lot about our friends at Mormon Clothers and how they've been taking care of us, looking good not only on the golf course, but work and play as well. And um, no different for you guys. You guys have an opportunity now. They're actually running their spring and summer sale in which that it's buy one, get one free right now, if you can believe that, on all their uh, great brands and styles that they have. So buy one, get one free at Mormon Clothers, both in Mason City and Ames. If you're in the area, hit them up. If not, jump on the website. But uh, got to give a big shout out to Justin and his team up in Ames. Mormon Clothers been taking care of us and sponsoring Who's Career. 
All right, special Who's Career tonight, because obviously we have the man in the house uh, who sponsors us with uh, Mormon Clothers. And so um, looking back at last week, we had a father-son battle, which Staggy was getting a, a little after Lee and I for, for trying to sway the vote or something. I don't, I'm not sure what that was about. Well, you guys have been tag-teaming on a few of these, just trying to uh, you know, get the Twitterverse on your side for these votes. And I'm glad that you know, people actually look into this and realize that Bill Haas, FedEx Cup champion, more prolific college career, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, I was a little, a little surprised by that, which because the, on the flip side of that coin, a lot of people right now are talking about how much does the FedEx Cup matter and is this just a way in, for the PJ Tour to dish out more money? But Staggy puts high regard in these FedEx Cup winners. Well, I mean, I think the kicker was no one wants to be the guy that's uh, played the most majors without a win. So, Bill Haas. Bill Haas with the win. So, well, tonight then, uh, mix things up a little bit, maybe even the playing field quite a bit. Um, I'm anxious to hear uh, why and how you guys go the direction you go tonight. Um, Two names that you've probably heard uh, several times at some point throughout uh, your golf watching career. Uh, maybe less for what they did on the course, uh, maybe not, but uh, especially with our first guy. So Andy North has 15 pro wins, three on the PGA and two majors, um, two U.S. Opens. You'll find a trend here against Lee Jansen, who's got 11 pro wins, eight on the PGA Tour and two majors, two U.S. Opens. Um, so we got uh, no biases here when we're looking at these majors. We have the same number in the same major. So Staggy can't lean heavy towards the Masters on this. Um, so with that, then, we always let our guests go first, and uh, he always gets to go first in this. Uh, Justin, whose career are you taking? Uh, well, I'm going to go with Lee Jansen. You know, he's got the two U.S. Opens, but along with that, you know, I, he, he also had a players, which I found interesting. But if you're going to win another court or another tourney outside of uh, a major, I'll take the players. Playing a couple of Ryder Cups, still playing along on the Champions Tour. And something about Andy North I've just never really liked. So just on feeling also. Lee Jansen all the way. I like it. Good. Lee. This is a tough one for me because the when you take out the the major part, you go. Andy North with the more prolific college career and then also the, the ESPN side. And then Lee Jansen, you got the tin cup side. And you guys know I'm always going tin cup. And, I mean, there that one, one part of that movie on the driving range when – when Tin Cup's hitting Chili Peppers up Lee Jansen's ass, if that quote doesn't um, just give it to, uh, to Lee Jansen, I don't know uh, what would. Again, I'm a huge Tin Cup fan. And uh, also, I mean, he's got a pretty sweet first name. And uh, I did remember this time. I honestly didn't remember with Lee Trevino. So, yeah, Lee Jansen, um, give me Tin Cup over ESPN and a prolific college career yeah you know I, I I hate to 
potentially side with both of you guys to make it 3-0 and to start this thing. Uh, but I was looking at this a little bit, and, you know, Lee Jansen's got uh, U.S. Open wins at Baltusrol and the Olympic Club. And Andy North's two wins were Cherry Hills Country Club in the U.S. Open, 1978, and then uh, Oakland Hills Country Club, uh, the south course there in 1985. And so I was looking at those and two courses that I know better, Lee Jansen won on. I also like to go back to the reference of Tin Cup. And so I, I, I lean towards Lee Jansen in this one. And then when you throw in the course that, or the, the fact that Andy North is straight Wisconsin guy all the way at the final four here a few years back, sitting with Steve Stricker, all that whole deal. I'm out on that. So give me Lee Jansen all day, every day. Wow. All right. So no, no love for Andy North. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I don't know, maybe more relevant name currently in the game of golf, but um, all right. Well, let's, uh, I, I really don't have a lot to add. You guys pretty much hit on all this. So as I'm going through on these guys, um, my decision is going to be Lee Jansen as well. I'll just throw it out right away. And my list goes because of the players in which Justin brought up um, the fifth major and Ryder Cup. He was a winner on the Ryder Cup. Uh, Lee's 10 Cup reference. I mean, that's obviously right there too. Uh, um, Minnesota born, I think Rochester is where he was born. And so um, not not far from, from my hometown in northern Iowa. So that's pretty cool as well. But uh, And then when we throw in my kicker, we're always looking at these guys' net worth. And uh, Andy North needs to renegotiate his contract with ESPN because his net worth is only like around 1.2. And I had a tough time even finding that. So those numbers might not even be that accurate. Whereas um, Mr. Chili Pepper up Lee Jansen's ass has a net worth of $8 million. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the money. I'm going to take the 10 cup, the players, uh, the Ryder Cup, and uh, being from Minnesota as a, as a runaway for, for Lee with only two E's, Jansen. You know, the, the ESPN part, like, couldn't anybody be the guy that sits next to SVP for a golf tournament? I mean, does any it really matter? Yeah. Any of us could sit on that set with, with uh, SVP and do our part. Yeah, it does, I mean, even I mean, regardless of sport, I mean, you look at some of these guys, um, you just roll them out there. I mean, Corso and, I mean, any of these guys, I mean, what they really do, you know, just a character. You know. he, he adds no value to the golf coverage. You know, we talked about David Duvall last week or, or two weeks ago. I mean, he can add something to the, the coverage. But Andy North just – they, like, let him break down the holes, you know, and, like, hey, this is what this hole looks like. And then, like, let's bring in the professional to talk about golf. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I'd rather listen to Brandel Chambly. Ooh. Yeah, that's definitely unpopular. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say that he's my favorite dude, but I'd rather listen to him than Andy North. For the sake of this argument, I'm going to agree with you. What? Love Which, it. Love it. Um, on that topic, who's got coverage this weekend at the BMW? Do you know? Because it's ah, – might, no might need to look into that so uh, everyone can figure out where and how they need to get it because – I don't think uh, Golf Channel and NBC. It looks like I was gonna say I don't think CBS. 
I think CBS is off until the Masters. Um, and so we're done with them. But uh, And then I don't know when ESPN, when they pick up on some of theirs. But it'll be interesting to see what the coverage um, – it's different. Um, I know that's for another time. But, uh, hey, uh, guys, a lot of fun. We covered a lot of stuff. Um, if you haven't listened to our picks episode, make sure you guys jump in and listen to line your pockets. We got a lot of fun stuff that we talked about in that episode as well. Um, Justin, man, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you supporting the pod. We appreciate you making us look good on the golf course. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Let me, you know, be a part of you get the show with the, the sponsorship. It's been, it's been fun. No, we can't wait to, uh, can't wait to get up that way here um, as soon as things open up a little bit more and uh, roll out some, some more content and, and have the, the three of us have a little bit of a store takeover. I, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun and uh, obviously help each other out. And, you know, again, we appreciate it, man. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good.